Hello everybody, Madeline Moon here. I am doing a short little intro before this podcast episode. We have two awesome guests today and we're actually going to be talking about paleo. And before this episode, I kind of wanted to just talk about my personal views towards paleo um, because I've had, you know, I've had I don't even know how many episodes I've had, 20-something so far, and it's been a very eclectic mix of people. I've had some people that are vegan. I've had some people that are in the fitness bodybuilding world. I've had some paleo people. I've had some high-carb people, some low-carb people, um, some people that just talk about body image and optimal female wellness and all that beautiful jazz. And I don't often really take the time to talk about my own personal standpoints. Sometimes I just, you know, talk with the guests about their views and um, talk how I feel a little bit about it. But I kind of just wanted to tell you guys straight up, very clear, how I feel about paleo and all the all the other diets and everything. So I have been very strict paleo before in my life. And... I did a whole 30 that turned into a whole 90 and then a whole 130 and I didn't eat anything outside of paleo so I didn't have any dairy, gluten, grains, any kind of artificial sugar or anything like that. Today I am pretty much 95% that, sometimes 90%, sometimes 80, sometimes 65. Like to be completely honest, I have a very whole foods based diet very well-rounded, but I am not extreme in any direction, and I'm not 100% in any direction. I completely, I like, more than any culture or any um, diet-based group um, that's going on right now, paleo is where it's at for me. I love the culture. I love the people I know in that industry. I love all the books. I love all the food. I love everything about it. And sometimes I'm not going to have guests on here that necessarily agree with that. And I'm not going to disagree with them or anything like that. I am just going to um, simply listen and learn because I love learning and I'm not the type of person that's ever going to have one diet that I say, this is the way, this is the one, because I know every single body is different. And that's why I have different guests on the show so that they can provide their different perspectives and their different outlooks. And then we can ask them questions and learn. And then from there, each one of us can decide what works for us best. And that's the, that is the end goal is for all of us to have the knowledge we need to make our own decisions about how we eat, what we put into our bodies, how we move our bodies, and all that great stuff. But in regards to me and where I'm at with it, I am very much a whole foods, you know, plant-based diet with some meat. And yes, I have some grains every so often. Uh, For me, it's more about the timing, honestly. Like in the morning, there are certain foods I know I can't eat. My breakfasts are almost always very whole foods based. Sometimes it's eggs and bacon or sausage and sometimes it's um, yogurt. I eat a lot of yogurt so sometimes I have that with some almond butter. It's just different every day. Honestly, it's whatever I feel like eating. But for the most part, I like having, you know, lots of veggies and lots of Uh, probiotic rich foods and I love meat and I love sweet potatoes and regular potatoes and I'm not at all biased about food or I'm not gonna be judgmental towards different diets and different foods and I support whatever you know whatever you put in your body as long as it makes you feel good go for it so it's kind of going on a tangent here but Basically, I just wanted to say that today we're having some paleo guests on and I'm really excited because I love, love, love what they have to say and I hope you're excited. And secondly, I just wanted to say that last week or the past two weeks I had a survey going out where people kind of had the chance to voice their opinions about my show and things they really want to hear and stuff they didn't necessarily like or stuff they don't want to hear too much about and I've love 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 the feedback thank you guys so much because it's really helped me to understand what you're really looking for in a podcast and what you're um, desiring to learn more about because it's stuff I didn't know like I didn't know some of you wanted to hear more about x y and z but not necessarily this other thing I talk a lot about so it's really really useful for me and that survey's still open so I am going to have it on 
the show notes for this. It's very short. It's just a few questions where you say, what'd you like? What'd you not like? You know, what do you want to hear more about? And stuff like that. So um, I will be taking all these comments into more than just consideration. I will be acting on them. I'm going to reach out to the people y'all suggested that I have on the show, learn a little bit more about them. And I found out some of y'all kind of enjoy my solo podcast where it's just me on the show. So I'm going to do it for you guys. It's not my favorite, but I'm definitely going to do it. I've already got a list started of things that I think I should talk about because I do realize that I'm not talking quite enough about the stuff I've been going through currently and and how I've kind of gotten, how I've kind of developed my new persona on the female body and on the fitness industry, how I, how I see the fitness industry and all that great stuff. And I want to give you guys the tools that I have um, created or discovered um, on how to improve your body image and how to get out of out of disordered eating and all that stuff because it's not an easy process and I think that if I've kind of figured out some things I need to start talking about it and I, I'm definitely ready for it and so I will be doing some solo podcasts about those things and they'll be a little shorter so y'all don't have to listen to me ramble the whole time and I don't have to ramble the whole time, but um, for now, let's just head on over to this podcast that we have today. It's amazing, and I'm really excited, and I hope you'll love it. So let's go. You're listening to the Mind Body Musings Podcast, the show where you can learn the most intricate details about the body, the mind, and how lifestyle choices link the two to create individual health for every shape and size. I'm fitness and nutrition expert Maddie Moon, here to enlighten you on how to live your life in a way that promotes satiation, thrivation, and self-appreciation. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to the show. I'm here today with Joe Salama and Jason Goldberg, two incredibly awesome guys that have come together on several occasions to make sense of this thing we call paleo. Joe is the co-author of The Paleo Miracle, 50 Real Stories of Health Transformation and the producer of the Ancestral Food Summit. Jason is a writer, blogger, and martial artist. He mentors newcomers into the paleo lifestyle by guiding them through the through his Paleo Padawan program. Even more impressive, his first novel, Pilot Error, will be published in early 2015. That's so amazing. Together, Joe and Jason are the authors of The Tao of Paleo, a book that will teach you how to eat, play, sleep, and exercise the way humans were meant to. They are big supporters of adopting a healthy mindset as one pursues a healthier lifestyle, and they're here today to tell us exactly how to do that. Thanks so much for coming on to my show, guys. How are y'all doing today? Hey, Madeline, uh, you make it sound so much more impressive than it really is. Uh, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. We're very excited to be here. Thank you, Madeline, for having us on your show. Yeah, of course. And like you guys, this is extremely impressive. Like making a novel and then writing like a book, accumulating all these different stories of people that um, have success with paleo and then being a martial artist. Like, I don't know how y'all do it all in the family and like I guess you have another job outside of that that might pay the bills, unless all this does. Yeah, I'm um, an airline pilot. Yeah, oh. and I'm a, I'm a lawyer and a mediator. You guys, I'm so inspired already. <laughs> okay, cool. So your book, the, the Tao of Paleo. Tell me, first of all, how did you come up with the name? Because I love it. Go for it, Jason. Um. Everything you always wanted to know about paleo but was afraid to ask was a little too long to fit on the cover. Uh, um, I, you know, to be honest with you, I think, as, as I recall, we just brainstormed for a while and came up with a bunch of um, really not very entertaining titles. And uh, when we thought about exactly what we see paleo as, which is a lifestyle, a path, a way of being, um, the word Tao was just the most appropriate word. Uh, so I think that's how it came about. Um, that, that's how yeah. it came up with the title. It was definitely after we wrote the book and we were looking, or at least wrote the first draft of the book, and we were looking back on it to see what title fit it. And just like Jason said, we're talking about, we're, it's a lifestyle. And, you know, in order to, it's more than a lifestyle. It's a way of thinking as well. So 
it's 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 a way of living certainly it's a way of eating it's a way of sleeping it's all that stuff but it's also a mindset too and just like jason said the word dao encompasses all that really well yeah it definitely is a mindset and i really like the way y'all positioned the book making it a little bit more reader friendly and relatable and humorous and it really helps you to focus on the big picture of paleo and not just stress over the tiny little details that most of us do when starting out something like this. There's actually a chapter just about that specific subject where we have somebody who's very dogmatic and judgmental um, who we introduce in the book and basically make fun of her because um, stress isn't paleo and being judgmental isn't about other people in the community isn't paleo. And, you know, it's, it's, and stressing about the minutiae isn't paleo. Stressing about the little details of every little tiny thing and microwave water and all that stuff. You know, at some point, there's a, it, it, it doesn't pass the cost-benefit analysis. And it stresses you out more than it is worth worrying about. Yeah, totally. And I'm just kind of curious, like, what are some of the things that this, this woman does? Uh, Jason? Well, she, she, I believe she rides up to uh, wherever Joe and I are located in a, on a on a on a burrow or a some alpaca because you know cars and airplanes and so on and so forth aren't paleo <laughs> but to be absolutely serious um you know i i think what she does is she adopts an unbelievably narrow view uh, an unbelievably orthodox view of what she believes that paleo is and we we kind of set her up as kind of a like many of our characters as kind of a straw man just to kind of drive home the point that uh you know first of all you're not going to be very um happy if, if you if you live your life as a paleo perfectionist. And just as importantly, you're, you're not going to do a very good job of convincing other people to live this way if, you know, you're so uh, dogmatic and judgmental that uh, you immediately turn them off. So, you know, <laughs> what she does is a, is a bunch of very kind of, you know, um, hyper, hyperbolic things, you know, like refusing to uh, to look at her watch because of the electromagnetic energy and, you know, we put in our gratuitous joke about tampons in there. So, you know, I mean, obviously, like much of the book, it's 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 over the top. But there's a, an underlying point, And it's just as Joe said that, you know, don't be don't be a jerk either with yourself or with other people, uh, because uh, being a jerk is in paleo. Yeah, I totally agree. And like, I'm the more I'm studying the paleo leaders of today and the paleo lifestyle, the more I'm realizing that it really is. A starting point and every single person is different and what's really interesting and coming from like my side where I've had you know body dysmorphia and uh, disordered emotional kind of eating problems growing up um, I get to kind of see that through a lot of people who do paleo now because it's helped them to um, transition and to get over these food hurdles, these emotional hurdles, but they got a little bit too serious about it and it became another just another like mechanism for controlling the stressful things in life and that's the way a lot of diets are today is just a way to escape um, stressful things in life and it's a way to pretty much hurt yourself because you're so focused on diet because it's a distraction. But with that said, I think paleo has been a great starting point for a lot of people who have that and transition to that and see food differently because it affects the way they feel. And a lot of people that, you know, that's what I did when I first started out paleo. I got way too serious about it and I was super, super rigid. And for me, it just became another diet thing. But then it was super, super eye-opening for me to see that happening when I was doing it in paleo because that's so not paleo and that's not the way it's yeah. supposed to be. And yeah. You know, there were leaders that I would look up to and they would say, like, remember why you started this and that, you know, stressing over these things is not the way that it's not the reason why we do this. It's not like supposed to be another diet you just follow for just weight loss goals or um, physical goals. It's a it's a well-rounded lifestyle. And then I could be like, wow, I need to take a step back and I need to reexamine why I'm doing this and change things up a little bit and it it works you know it feels great good for you that's great yeah it is great absolutely i think you're a role model for a lot of women today in that you've gone through that and evolved past through that all that conflict well thanks that's very sweet of you guys um let me just say madeline you know before we go on that i'm so impressed by 
your personal journey and so enjoyed listening to you talk about how you kind of made the transition um, from from being a, a fitness competitor and some of the challenges you were facing and, and some of the maybe unhealthy things that you were doing and how you went through that process of realization and kind of retouch base with what, what this is all about. And i um, very impressed with that and, and with what I've read of you. Well, thank you. That really means a lot because it's definitely been a very long journey and it's had its ups and downs. And I, I mean, I'm so, so happy to be where I am today. And I'm even more happy that I've stuck with my current mindset because I was kind of worried for a while because I've gone like bounced back and forth. So I did like the fitness competitions and then I got my head straight and I was like, paleo, like that's much more well-rounded. But then I took it too far and then I bounced completely back to the fitness competition, did it again. And then afterwards I was like, okay, really, I'm done this time. Like I'm really, really done. I can't do this again. My poor body. And then it like, for like crazy awesome but it just really stayed with me after that last time and i've just been mm-hmm. diving deeper into this this new world that i'm exploring and this message that i'm preaching and it feels so much better and i just feel like i'm putting out a much be- better message out there than the message i was putting out there so that feels good hey how would you like to be on page 77 of the paleo miracle 2 oh my goodness i would love that what a great <laughs> idea <laughs> Great. I think we'll put you there. I cannot wait to read that. But yeah, seriously, guys, you'll have to check that out when that comes out because it's going to be awesome. I'm so excited and I'm so honored to be in there. Like, Paleo Miracle. That's amazing. (laughs) I think everybody's going to be excited to have you in there, too. Okay, so enough about me. And we're going to get back to Paleo and talk about what it means to... Well, first of all, okay, so in my show, I've had... I have tons of different types of people, and I've had a few people that are like paleo schmaleo, like there's just no sense to it. And I want you to tell me why paleo makes so much more sense. Why does it make sense for us to eat this way in terms of food? Like not just the lifestyle, but just food. Jason, do you want to go? Sure. Um, Well, starting with the caveat that Joe and I are very careful um, to, to tell everyone who asks this question that, um, for us, that food is a, is a big, important part of the paleo lifestyle, but it's only a part. So whereas, you know, while it's important to start with food, um, it really is equally, if not more important to kind of touch base with all the other parts of your life, exercise, mindset, sleep, stress, et cetera, et cetera. But from a food perspective, we go through a whole kind of iteration in the beginning chapter about the ancestral, you know, argument, you know, about whether or not Paleolithic man ate a certain way or Neolithic man ate a certain way. And I think that we all need to capitulate the idea that we could really find out exactly how um, early man ate in a very precise way. Um, at the end of the day, from a food point of view, the reason that you do paleo is because it works, because it's effective. Because if you eat this way, you'll have more energy. You will see yourself become leaner. And if you exercise properly, more muscular, you will be clearer in your head. You will see the symptoms of some very significant diseases, particularly autoimmune diseases, reduce and often disappear. Uh, and just, you know, overall, you're going to feel uh, like a much better version of, your, of yourself. So as we say in the book, the reason you eat this way is is because it works. And a big part of it also is, I mean, when you look at paleo versus everything else, you know, people say eat this way because you're going to lose weight or eat this way for whatever reason. But everything that we talk about in the paleo community is about the nutritional value of the food. I mean, it's all science-based. There's a reason for it. It's not just some arbitrary person saying, okay, cheese is good and um, whatever, eggs are bad or whatever it is, designed for whatever purpose to get you to lose weight or something like that. Um, We actually break down the reasoning and the the science and the the nutritional value of pretty much every – every food and every reason why we eat every food that we eat and why we don't eat every food we don't eat. So, um, you know, it's hard to learn or be 
anything paleo without getting a pretty good course in nutrition as along the way. Yeah, exactly. And it seems like a lot of the um, people who promote paleo or talk about paleo, they do it out of love and they do it out of respect and honor for their body. And I like what, I mean, I like that point. Like, it's not like people are just saying eat cheese for this goal or this goal. And it's really just to feel good and to be as natural as possible. And not many diet diets preach that. It's more about weight loss and not overall health. It's not about autoimmune or fixing um, uh, IBS or all of these um, intestinal orders and like cleaning up the gut. And yeah, I mean, some people um, do it for weight loss goals and that's awesome because usually they end up feeling better about themselves and they don't take it too far and they just end up putting nutrition first. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. So what would you say are like the top three or four biggest mistakes people generally make when they start a paleo diet? And this can be different for both of you guys, but just some mistakes people make and like what not to do. For me, um, my top three things would be is they assume that paleo is necessarily very low carb. And that's, that's a mistake I made too when I first started is I assumed that all carbs were bad. I didn't make the distinction between good carbs and bad carbs. And I went very low carb thinking that that was the right thing to do. And I ended up hurting myself. I ended up causing fatigue and hormonal imbalances and actually got further away from my goal before I got, before I figured out what was going on. And I think it can be dangerous for people to jump into it like that. Um, like I did, without knowing exactly what they're doing, um, thinking that VLC is the way to go for everybody all the time, no matter how much exercise that you're going through. And I think that that's, that's a big danger. Um, what else? I would say another mistake people make are... Hmm, that's another. That's a good question. I would say that... Um, go ahead and give me one, Jason, one of yours, and I'll think of some more of mine. Sure. Um, maybe we'll come up with three in between us, but I'm sure if we think about it, we'll come up with a whole bunch. Yeah. I would say that um, kind of hearkening back to, and I, I, you know, I hit this point all the time, so excuse me for repeating myself. Um, I think it's the biggest mistake I see is people looking at it as a diet. You know, they start, they say, okay, I'm going to do this for 30 days. I'm going to eat a certain way. And then maybe after 30 days, they're just not, you know, seeing the kind of results they expected or feeling much different. But the problem is, is that they haven't addressed all the other parts of their life that are causing, you know, whatever issues they're facing. They, they haven't looked at their sleep at all. They haven't looked at their stress level. They haven't looked at their mindset. They haven't looked at how they exercise. So for me, the number one thing is, is, is looking at this like a diet and, and, and solely in terms of food and not in terms of a, of a holistic lifestyle. Look, you're going to feel better if you, if you eat um, the proper way. But a lot of the people who come to paleo are coming in a very profound state of unhealth. And uh, food alone is, is not going to solve their problems. So for me, that's, that's the number one issue. And, uh, you know, echoing that, you can eat perfectly 100% paleo and be extraordinarily unhealthy if you don't have any of the other stuff lined up. Um, so I have to, you know, say that I agree with Jason that that's a big one. We a see that people, all the time, actually. Yeah, we do. Um, but a lot of people also assume then that they can eat these gluten-free products or some of the, you know, some of the substitute products, whether it's a lot of the, the paleo sweets or whether it's um, the gluten-free products or something like that. They assume that, you know, that those are close enough to paleo or paleo enough when, in fact, you know, in, in large quantities – and even in small quantities about the gluten-free products, there's a whole lot of crap in there that you shouldn't be putting in your body at all. So I think that's a mistake people do is that they assume that a lot of the paleo-friendly or apparently paleo-friendly things or things that are labeled paleo-friendly are not really paleo-friendly. Mm -hmm. And it seems like that's becoming really popular. And I mean, me personally, I'm going to, I'm always going to promote balance. So, you know, if someone wants to go out and have some of this stuff that's awesome but what like what you said having it in large quantities like waking up in the morning and having 
you know, paleo cereal followed by paleo sandwich, followed by, you know, Mm -hmm. two paleo cookies followed by paleo pasta and all that stuff. Like Mm -hmm. that's a little bit, that's on the other extreme side. Um, and the way I see it is there's two kinds of people in that this world, there are the people who have the, who eat this way for strictly allergy reasons. And they're not really all on board with the natural health side. And they're really just trying to avoid, um, having health. I mean, having a Symptoms of their allergies. Yeah, the symptoms of allergies. So it's great that there are these products for those kind of people who really just care about that. I mean, it at least it's kind of a gateway. So they can start there and then hopefully with time they'll, you know, they'll move over to the other group. And the other group is more the people who may or may not have allergies but are just trying to eat more naturally and mm-hmm. can have these paleo treats and goodies in moderation, which I see absolutely no problem with it. But it is kind of trading... Um, I wouldn't say evil because that's not the right word, but trading one thing for another, like one kind of junk food for another kind of junk food, you know. Yeah. Joe and I both really admire uh, Jason Seib and Sarah Fragoso. I, I know that uh, you know who they are, um, but for your audience, they're both really uh, well-known trainers, uh, kind of disciples of Rob Wolf. Anyway, Jason um, had a great line about this subject, and that's, um, giving people paleo cookies is like giving chocolate cigarettes to smokers. You know, you're, you're trying to change people's um, eating habits in a positive way. So it doesn't really make sense to give them something that's like a, a methadone, you know, a bridge drug. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of just prolongs. Um, the paleo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, right? So a lot of people have problems with um, metabolism and with their blood sugar levels and just with their, you know, kind of attachment to, to eating sweet treats. So, uh, you know, I would have to agree with Joe that, you know, you see people start to put labels on things as paleo. And then the, you know, the assumption is, is that people can eat them, you know, as much as they want, or even, you know, in, in small to moderate amounts when they're trying to get through that initial getting healthy phase. And, um, that's a a definite problem. I, I see that a lot as well. Yeah, I totally agree. And um, I guess I want to kind of rewind and talk about carbs for a second because I love talking mm-hmm. about I love talking about carbs, and I always oh, I, I love I love carbs with a deep yeah. and almost lustful love myself. Yes, right? Carbs are the yeah. best, and it's just like one of my favorite subjects. And people are probably tired of listening to me talk about it, but maybe not. Maybe people love it just as much as me. But anyways. Um, so I might love it as much as you, but let's find out. I bet you do. Yeah, I bet you do. But I'm curious about like your experience being low carb because I've never done that for a super long amount of time because I really just couldn't. I've tried several, several times, but for, I mean, a long amount of time, I've never been low carb. So what was your experience like with that? I think I could describe it best as saying that it is like sticking my head in a tub of Jello for six days. Um, I did not enjoy being low carb at all, and I don't do well low carb. Um, I know a lot of people do. Good for them. I'm not one of them. Um, I do what I call high carb paleo. I have a big bowl of potatoes at least once every other day, um, if not more frequently, at least not once a day. Um, so. Yeah, I do high-carb paleo. My experience with low-carb paleo has been miserable. Like you, I've tried it several times, and I just found that no matter how long I've tried it for, I've never adapted the way I know a lot of people do adapt to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people like explain this honeymoon. Like It sounds like my, my skin cleared up, I have better energy, yeah. You know, my lifts are better, my sex drive is better, Like everything's better, but generally you hear a sad story following that and it's like, well, you know, seven months down the road, you know, Mm -hmm. this started happening and this was falling apart and this happened. So it seems like a lot of people do end up suffering with it. I know there are definitely some people who, you know, just blossom and bloom forever on it. I don't, Mm -hmm. you know, but they're not, not, not as, not as many as you would think that there are based on how often you hear about it. Yeah. I, I kind of, I could be wrong, but I kind of think that people, are low carb for so long and then they they just think that they feel good but then they have something with carbs and they're like oh my gosh now I feel amazing but then 
you know, mentally they feel bad about it because they just got off their plan and then they're worried and then they're retaining mm. extra water and then they're ready to get back to low carb, even though they just realized how amazing they felt when they had that sweet potato. I, I yeah. completely agree. And, you know, from, from a, you know, from kind of a sciencey point of view, you know, here's what happens, right? Um, uh, people, you know, kind of eat a reasonable amount of carbs that kind of in, in kind of, um, in con in concert with their level of activity, you know, if they're, they're exercisers or, you know, they're doing a lot of hit training, uh, a lot of weight training, maybe a lot of sprinting, they're, they're filling up those glycogen stores. They're, they're working within the glycolytic pathway. They're, they're, they've got their workouts nailed. They're, they're eating significant amount of carbs. And then they think to themselves, well, you know what? I'm, I want to get leaner, you know, and I went through this myself, just like Joe did. And I, I want to get leaner. You know, and the way to get leaner, well, okay, the way to get leaner is not to eat as many carbs. And then, you know, you start cutting your carbs and insidiously, um, you start to feel less energetic during your workouts. Your recovery is not as good. I am not a big believer in the science that indicates that you can backdoor glycogen through, you know, neo, uh, glycogenesis. I, I know that that's kind of the big argument and maybe some people can, but I, I think the science tells me that the majority of people don't do a really good job of converting fat and protein to glycogen, especially if they're really active. So again, you know, what happens is, is then you start realizing, like you said, you, you don't feel very good. And then you say, well, I'm going to start adding back carbs. Well, unfortunately, you know, one of the side effects of, of, you know, going low carb for a while is now you're extremely, you, you, you know, you're less insulin sensitive and, and you're more carb sensitive. So you start adding back the carbs and now all of a sudden your body's not as efficient at, um, you know, uploading the, uh, the, the glucose, you know, into your muscles. Um, maybe you're storing more of it as fat, you know, you're performing more lipogenesis. So now they, they look at themselves in the mirror, you know, even though they're feeling better and they're going, holy crap, now I'm getting fat again. So, you know, they get stuck in this cycle. Um, and eventually, you know, they go lower and lower carb. And I, you know, again, I, I, I know that there are people out there who do phenomenally well on a very low carb and, and ketogenic diet, but my experience is, is that most people don't for very long. And uh, I, I feel like the science supports that, but particularly if they're moderately active or more. Now, you know, as, as Joe will tell you, you know, being very kind of in tune with a lot of the autoimmune and, um, and uh, other diseases, um, that there are certain people who a very low carb or ketogenic protocols is something that they need to do long term. To, to, to kind of address certain serious health concerns. I, you know, for me, based on what I've seen on my personal experiences, is, you know, your average bell curve person doesn't thrive on, on a low-carb diet for very long. Mm -hmm. I agree with that <laughs> completely. I mean, my dad did really well on a low-carb diet when he was, you know, trying to improve the symptoms of his Parkinson's. But I think that's the exception rather than the rule. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, for some cancer treatments, there's a lot of evidence that, you know, I, you know, Joe could make a list of uh, he's up on this stuff of all the various, you know, kind of illnesses that are, respond to a low carb protocol. But um, I have my doubts as to whether or not that's a, you know, that's a prophylactic measure for most people. You know, it's a, if you're extremely adipose, if you're sedentary, if you're trying to get healthy, a very low carb diet makes sense for a while. But, you know, you become fitter, you become leaner, you start to become more active. Uh, it, I, I don't see the science supporting um, the very low carb or the, ket the ketogenic diet as a long-term solution. And, and besides with, I mean, you know, on a very visceral level, uh, you know, while, while, uh, while you were talking, uh, I had it on mute so I could, you know, finish my sweet potatoes and, uh, and my, spe you know, my spaghetti sauce. <laughs> you know, so I, I uh, you know, it's like you said, you know, once you're adapted to being active and eating your carbs, I mean, it's like... It's like the best part of the meal. It's delicious, you know, so. Yeah, and like I'm probably going to be eating a sweet potato after this because I have like five of them waiting in my kitchen right now, and I'm <laughs> in love with them. Um, Can you Skype one over to me? Oh. I'm still hungry. <laughs> I don't even know if I would if I could because I love them so much. I'm selfish. <laughs> um, yeah, so what about like adrenal fatigue? I don't know how to ex like explain this very well. To people who ask me about it, and you know, it kind of seems like everyone today is like, "Oh, I have adrenal fatigue. I have adrenal fatigue." What What does that even mean? Like, go for it, Jason. Take this one, Joe. 
Sorry, guys. I was going to tell you I mean, to take it, Joe. People call it's a collection. What I what I think it is is it's a collection of signs and symptoms that people refer to as adrenal fatigue, and you know there's some dispute about whether or not it, it's actually adrenal fatigue or whether it's um, some thyroid condition or an imbalance of some other hormones in your body, but it's basically an overwhel an over an overwhelming feeling of unwellness or tiredness or fatigue that you get after performing physical activity, intense physical activity or any physical activity for some people. It's almost not important if it's real or not because, you know, you get a bunch because of people. Because it happens. Assume, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you get a bunch of people who feel like crap for a lot of the same reasons. So if you want to call it adrenal fatigue, that's great. You know, if you want to call it, you know, snuffleupagus, that's great too. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you see people who who work out overly intensely, particularly, you know, doing a lot of cardio. Uh, you see people who uh, don't fuel their workouts properly. You know, they don't particularly eat enough fat and carbs. Um, they don't sleep properly. You see this very similar collection of symptoms. They retain fat. They have no energy. They're exhausted. They get sick all the time. Their immune system is, is suppressed, you know. These are all symptoms that you hear of associated with quote unquote adrenal fatigue or snuffleupagus or, you know, acute nasal elephantitis or whatever you want to call it. So, um, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what you want to call it, but you do see people, you know, who are not kind of dialing in, you know, these important parts of your health suffering from very similar symptoms. So if someone has, or thinks they have adrenal fatigue, what kind of things would they, like, to get out of adrenal fatigue or to fix it, is it as simple as, you know, sleeping more and eating whole foods and cutting back on the caffeine or is there like more to it? Do we get a little bit more um, nitpicky about the details? Um, I think that there's a big picture to it. Um, there, there's like, there's several things that go into it. Um, and I think that if you're too low carb, it can, it can, promulgate or continue, especially if you're working out, like we just said. Um, I think that if you um, have high cortisol in your body, whether it comes from a stressful job, not getting enough sleep, over-exercising, or anything like that. Um, so you need to address all of these issues, I think, if you have this problem. Because um, if you don't, then it's likely to continue because they all contribute to having you know, too much stress in your body and not enough efficient productivity energy going on. There are a lot of, um, you know, naturopaths and alternative health practitioners that Joe and I recommend, you know, we have a friend, uh, Dr. Shawna Young, who we always recommend to people who's fantastic. But, you know, at the end of the day, it makes sense if, if you're, um, if you're really down the road on this kind of road of unwellness, you know, quote unquote, adrenal fatigue. To, uh, to get in touch with an alternative health practitioner that you really trust. There's a lot of them that can, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, kind of throw you a lifeline if you're really down this particular rabbit hole. Um, my experience is that if people are really, really far down the path of quote-unquote adrenal fatigue or whatever it is, um, might need some more serious kind of um, – measures intervention just, yeah. yeah that's the word i was looking for joe exactly it you know if it's nothing to be fooled around with you know if you're really really unwell to the point where um this has progressed pretty far I, you know i i know joe agrees that we would recommend you you know you you go the alternative health practitioner route and 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 get some uh get some serious intervention because it can be you know i mean it can be crippling and and yeah potentially you lethal. start to feel like an 80 year old person you know when you're not, when you're 40 or something like that, if you start to feel like, you start to feel like I felt after I went too low carb for too long. I mean, after a while, it catches up to you. It's not sustainable, and you need to you need to take serious measures in order to fix it. Yeah, the the reason why Agreed. I ask really is because it, I feel like our culture, like, kind of pushes us into this, and like we have busy jobs that we sit in front of a computer and we need to have two cups of coffee, three cups in order to focus. And then we go home and then we, we eat a diet that's maybe not the most nutritious because we're in a hurry to get to the gym, so we have to eat something quickly. And then we go to the gym and then we push our bodies and do an hour of cardio. And then we go home and then we're on our laptops until we go to bed at 10 o'clock or 10.30. 
and then we yep. sleep kind of crappy because of living by a road or just our diet again we sleep crappy because of that and then we wake up in the morning and do it all over again and it seems yep. yeah it seems really like that's what one thing that i love about you know living a more paleo like lifestyle because it is about simplifying which i think will really help with adrenal fatigue and doing little small things like um, getting off your computer like 90 minutes at least before bed and taking time to make home-cooked meals instead of stopping somewhere or um, I think the the biggest thing for me or the biggest stump that I'm on is like work if you have a job that promotes you know adrenal fatigue and um, maybe it's a little bit stressful I mean all jobs are stressful to some point and then how do you kind of work around that what if you have to work a lot of hours and you get too much uh, caffeine in your system day after day and have to cut back on that. It's like our mm -hmm. culture just kind of puts us in these positions, I think. I agree with you. I think it's, um, and I think a lot of people are going through that and have no idea that they're going through that because they're masking the symptoms between their, you know, junk food intake or excessive carb intake or their caffeine intake. They're just, um, they're hurting themselves and they don't know it. I agree. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I, I suspect that it's all a continuum. You know, it's, it's it, adrenal fatigue is just kind of a, um, it's just, uh, an extremely exacerbated version of all the various things that can happen to you by not dialing your food, your exercise, your rest by being under too much stress. Uh, it, it's, it's simply just being, you know, even further down the road of, of the kind of unwellness you see that's a product of the pressure of our modern society to work really hard. The myth that you need to do, you know, six or seven hours of cardio or, you know, these boot camps with somebody, you know, dressed like Louis Gossett, a junior and an officer and a gentleman that might predate you, Madeline, screaming at you, <laughs> you know, screaming obscenities at you while you're doing burpees. And then, you know, you go home. And you have a salad and, you know, maybe a couple pieces of protein with it. So, um, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, not paleo. So, yeah. And I don't think it's a big wonder why people get their, I guess, their cortisol regulation or get their cortisol dysregulated is, is, is from living that lifestyle. It's just not a sustainable or healthy lifestyle. And, and you know, I, I think that you can't underestimate the importance of the hormonal issues. Um, you know, the, the hormonal, uh, effect, um, on your, you know, the endocrine system and the effect on your general overall wellness is, is profound. And I think it's something that's not, not really well understood. You know, this uh, scientists only isolated the existence of leptin, one of the most important hormones related to, you know, fat storage and energy and, and sleep uh, in 1994, you know, 20 years ago. So when you get into the endocrine system and Joe talked about cortisol, but when you talk about the hormonal effect on, on your overall health and wellness, I think it's profound and something that's probably not as well understood as it should be and, and more important than it's probably, uh, you know, estimated. Sorry, my phone. <laughs> that's okay. That was a nice ringtone. It was very cheery. Yeah, it was, it was good comic relief. Um, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think that stress, since it's, I'd say that a lot, I completely agree. I need to stop saying that. But, um... You partially agree. I partially agree with this, but in reality, it's 100% because it seems like stress is something that we, I mean, we can't see it. So we're so focused on what we look like that we don't really know what's going on with the hormones and going on within our body and our digestive tract and our, you know, our mindset. We, we kind of just skip over these things in our day-to-day -day life and we just look on the external things. And it's so important once you get those things fixed on the inside or on their way to being fixed, then um, everything kind of seems to at least try to fall into place. Um, yeah. But I completely agree. <laughs> Thank you. Um, what about like sleep then? Because I know y'all are very smart about sleep and I don't really know all too much about sleep and how it affects your days. So what can you tell us about how to sleep more, more paleo-like? Go for it, Joe. See there. Joe fell asleep, I think. Joe. I'm here. 
There I'm it here. Is. Hi. Um, I think a lot of people know about light in the paleo community. I'm hoping people do. Um, because, you know, if you are asleep in a pitch black room and you have a comforter covering your head, if someone shines a flashlight on your foot, it increases the cortisol level in your body. And it's more likely to wake you up um, than if they don't. And most people don't just have no idea how profound the effect of light is on their hormonal level and on their quality of sleep. Um, but once you go paleo and you cut out all the crap and the poison that you're otherwise feeding yourself from your diet, you begin to notice that. And what was once something probably unnoticeable or subtle has now become a major influence in your ability to sleep or not sleep correctly. So I think I think that's a big thing that people need to get in tune with that they don't realize that's even important until they go paleo because they can't feel it. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. Um, paleo has uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, sleep has an unbelievably important effect, not only on your energy levels, um, but also on your uh, on your metabolism. Uh, I I talk about uh, a huge uh, University of California cohort study that was done in Wisconsin uh, with state employees over the course of, of five years. And it's a sample that a lot of um, experimental uh, work is, is done on that sample. And basically, there's a, a straight line correlation between um, not sleeping at least seven hours a night and a hormonal imbalance that leads to fat retention that leads to insulin desensitivity, uh, that leads to all kinds of metabolic issues that, that are, are, um, you know, that are, are counter to health. Um, from an energetic level, you know, we all know you don't get a good night's sleep. You feel like crap. But the reality is, is that, um, so many Americans are, 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 are going night after night after night with substandard sleep. You know, the average American sleeps six and a half hours a night. That's probably an hour to an hour and a half less than they should be sleeping. And as Joe mentioned, you know, they're getting up in the middle of the night and they're looking on their bedside table and they're checking their cell phone, you know, or they're looking at their iPad and looking at Facebook. And so now you're affecting your hormonal levels even more. Blue light from all these different electronic sources directly affects your cortisol level. Uh, the cortisol cascade is supposed to kind of go a certain way based on your circadian rhythms and exposure to blue light doesn't happen. So I would have to say, and I think Joe and I have had this conversation, we've mentioned this on a number of the other programs we've been on, sleep is probably the, the least appreciated and most important factor in, in, in um, living a healthy lifestyle, uh, in, in my view anyway. Yeah, I, I would agree with that in and out of the paleo community as well. I think it's just, it's, it's people underestimate it and people, like Jason said, they fall asleep with their cell phone on their face in bed every night and it's just not healthy. I mean, literally on their face. I mean, balanced on their nose like a seal. <laughs> I think that's one of the most interesting things to me because that's something that I didn't really, I, I didn't really know about before. Um, and I had read a book. I think it was called. Well, I read a little bit of a book. It was called Lights Out, um, and it talked about um, just like the the way that artificial light has caused us to want more carbohydrates at night, which causes weight gain, you know, and the, the minute you see light because of our, I'm totally butchering this, but back in the day when our good old paleolithic ancestors were around, um, and it was light outside, immediately they looked for carbohydrates or sources of fuel. And so when we prolonged the light at our own apartments with, um, computers or with lamps or whatever, it's, primarily uh, we're primarily wired to want to go to the kitchen and have carbohydrates because the day is still going on which is a little bit I mean I don't know how true that is for us because we are domesticated creatures at this point but I understand that it makes a lot of sense um, when you still think that it's um, you know bright out I guess what are your thoughts on that go for it Jason yeah I think it makes complete sense um uh, one of the things that elevated uh, ghrelin levels, which is another hormone um, that we talk about in the book, and, and lowered leptin levels does, both of which are a, uh, a product, uh, elevated ghrelin levels and reduced leptin levels of poor sleep and, you know, kind of nocturnal um, kind of exposure to blue light, 
is it does exactly as you say. Uh, it stimulates the appetite for uh, sugar in particular, uh, not just starchy carbohydrates, but, but glucose. Um, so absolutely, you know, if you, if you, you know, interrupt your sleep cycle, if you, if you interrupt your, your kind of normal program circadian rhythm, then you are going to crave um, sweets at a time when your body is most predisposed to store them as fat. Um, you know, and, and back in the day, you know, in terms of, of light, uh, as our friend Dan Koifman, who's a really uh, brilliant guy, he does a lot of research on sleep and these issues, points out back in the days, only about 150 years ago, you know, electric light is an, uh, you know, and light at night other than candlelight is an unbelievably new development. I mean, you know, grains are about the cultivation of grains are probably about, you know, 95,850 uh, years older than, uh, you know, kind of electric light at night. And, you know, look at how poorly we do, you know, with eating cultivated grains. So, um, this is a really new development in human history, and uh, it's not having a real good effect on our health and body composition. Wow. I agree with that. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going <laughs> to no, say no, wow. Nothing, yeah, he com he yeah. completely agrees with it. I completely agree with it. Oh, and okay. as a lawyer, you rarely completely agree with anything, but I completely agree with that. I'm just parroting <laughs> some things that smart people say, so, you know, there we go. No, that's really interesting. And I mean, like with everything, we kind of figure out a way to abuse it. And I think light is one of the most incredible inventions, but it's crazy how something like, like light and electricity messes with so many different things. Like it could, I mean, it very well could be related to our obesity epidemic, obviously, as what we're talking about. I mean, all these little things and lifestyle factors add up. There's that great quote, man is the only animal smart enough to make his own food and dumb enough to eat it. You know, I think a lot of, there, there's a lot of wisdom in that that can be applied across different subjects and light is another one of those subjects. Totally. I love that. I've actually never heard that. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay. So my last question, I'm going to ask both of you guys, cause I ask everyone this and, um, if you could give one person like one tip for strengthening their mind body connection what would that tip be i'll let you go first jason wow that's a really really good question um one tip to strengthen the mind body connection i would say that for me the key has been and this is just for me it's been meditation um for the last couple of years i've been doing a meditation practice and it's I'm the least spiritual, new agey person you'll ever meet. I, I don't sit there and hum over crystals or burn incense, right? <laughs> Not that he admits. This is completely pragmatic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is completely pragmatic. You know, I read a book a couple of years ago kind of teaching you the nuts and bolts of how to meditate. And um, I would have to say that as far as being in tune with my, with my body and understanding how I feel on a um, intuitive level. I don't know if that's what you mean by mind body connection, but for yes. me, that's been the most useful. Yeah. That's been the most useful tool. You know, the, the meditation piece, I'm much more sensitive to little changes in my physiology now than I ever was. And I'm much more sensitive in change to changes of mood, changes of, you know, physical ability, you know, maybe something's off. So for me, it's been meditation. I love it. For me, it would be, I think, maybe this is the same answer in a different way. It would be immersing yourself into when, you, when you're exercising or when you're playing or when you're, when you're not working, completely immersing yourself into it. Um, when I, so the reason I say it's the same answer is because I don't meditate at all. But when I'm working out, I put on music. I don't take calls. I get in a certain zone and for me that has helped me that that it's meditative for me to do that although I'm not specifically meditating and for me that's helped me a lot with being aware and my mind body connection and and it, and it might be just the meditation aspect too but combined with the physical exercise it does what it does well for me it does well with me I like both of those a lot, and I think that the similarity between those is that you're free from distractions in both of those. Yeah. So you're present wherever you are, whether you're on a mat or you're just lying down before bed or you're in the gym. Like you're present and you're there, and 
you're putting away the text messages, the business, you know, all of those other thoughts and just being present in the moment and saying this time is for me and this time is um, my time to realign, readjust and focus on the day I have ahead of me or the day that I just experienced. So those are both great answers. I think as you experience that flow state or whatever you want to call that state of mindfulness, you know, whether you do it via meditation or as Joe was talking about via workouts, you know, I, you tend to seek those things out. I crave them. I mean, it's the main thing I like about martial arts is when I'm out on the mat training, I'm completely focused on what I'm doing. You know, I do, I started doing yoga. It's the same thing. You know, it's so refreshing. You know, you come out of that state of flow or state of kind of single focus, unbelievably light, or at least I do. I'm sure Joe does as well. And, you know, kind of re-energized and refocused. It's almost like um, that that's a necessary uh, part of being human, just like sleep is to kind of refresh you. So I think that once you get a taste of that, however you do it, it, it becomes addictive and in a good way. Um I, I would have to think, you know, you talk about the mind-body connection, getting into that flow state, that single-minded state is, is, I think, one of the most critical things that I've learned about as I've gotten older. But it can be, I think it can be anything. It can be the, the like, focusing with your children, you know, if you have children, focusing with them on whatever it is, playing with them, or just completely giving your undivided attention to only one thing for a change. Um, I think is very important. Yeah, and it's not it's not easy. And even if it's like no, it's not. even if it's watching a movie, you know, a lot of times for me, if I'm like, okay, I feel like watching a movie tonight, I put on a movie and then actually what I do is I surf the web while this movie's on and you know, I, I text people and then I have a new thought in my head and I write something down and I'm not like watching the movie at all. Like we as humans, we're not made to multitask and we do it more than anything else. And it's good for us to be able to do it in circum certain circumstances, but the way we multitask, it's kind of out of hand. And that's one thing that I'm really, really working on is trying to just watch a movie or go for a walk or read a book and just kind of focus on one thing at a time. Drive and don't text and drive. You know, like people struggle with that because they just want to text every time they're at a red light. It's like, just sit at the red light and, you know, be in the moment. It's hard, but it's worth it. It's I like agree. anything else. Yeah. I, I, sorry, Joe, but I just think it takes, uh, it takes practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, it does. Like it takes a lot else. of practice. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's a skill, uh, that you can hone, but unbelievably fruitful when you do. I, 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 um, I'm just as bad as it, at it naturally as you just described. I know, Joe and I are constantly doing 500 different things and it's been very, very, and you know, in my job, I'm in one of the jobs where you have to multitask and divided attention is something you absolutely have to do to be effective. Um, but you know, I've, I've worked very hard on practicing to, to be mindful. Um, you know, when I'm meditating, when I'm doing martial arts, when I'm playing with my son and, uh, it's been unbelievably rewarding if you do make that practice. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Jason just said, there, there's some times that are just, I don't allow to be overridden, you know, like, like I'm running for office and the only time where I could get the endorsement of one of the organizations is by going to a meeting Wednesday night. Well, guess what? Wednesday night I have the kids. So I'm not even going to try to get that endorsement because, you know, even though I got offers for people to babysit because that's my time with the kids and that's, if you treat it as unviolable and you you hold it in high regard under all circumstances um you will i think help develop that skill and you know appreciate it more and of yes. course if you read our book then you know you don't even have to worry about it it just comes completely naturally it's like a shortcut oh, of course it's <laughs> like a, yeah it's a, it's a, it's a, yeah. a completed enlightenment. you know so there's there's that <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> Exactly. Well, you guys, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, I'm going to have the links to the book and the show notes. So everyone go to mindbodymusings.com. Um, head on over to this podcast, the Dow Paleo um, website will be linked in there. So check that out. Um, so much amazing information and very just well-rounded practical information that people can apply to their lifestyles. And that's what we need the most in this world. So thank you guys for joining me today. Thanks for having us on again. Yep. Yeah, thank you very much. Of course. Bye. Take care.
Thanks again for listening, friends. I'm Maddie Moon, and you have been enjoying the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please be sure to rate and review it in the iTunes store as well as subscribe. Also, please remember I'm glad to continue the conversation on my website, mindbodymusings.com, where you can also sign up for my free ebook, How to Love Your Body Again 10 Easy Steps to Stop Sacrificing and Start Living. I created this book to help everyone that struggles with body image, dieting, overtraining, and negative self esteem to learn how to not only accept who you are, but love who you are. This is coming from an ex fitness model and bikini competitor, so trust me, I know what it's like to have those struggles and to want to be rid of them. So please, if any of that sounds good, head on over to moonfitness.net and sign up. Thanks for listening.